Hey, it's Grace. You're listening to our Chinese English journey. I'm the host for today's episode. In this bilingual education journey, most parents will agree the best way to learn Chinese is when one is immersed in a Chinese environment. Taking kids to Asia has been one of the most talked about topics among parents like us. After three years of pandemic, most Asian countries are open for foreigners, which make a lot of parents interested in taking their bilingual kids to visit Asia, hoping they can pick up more Chinese there. We have Bay from New York with us today. Bay and I first found each other in a local bilingual group, and later found out we have a lot of common goals for learning Mandarin. And she also is the, the only person I found who is not a Taiwanese native and still brought her kids to Taiwan in the summer of 2021. We recently exchanged ideas for our upcoming trips to Taiwan this summer. Hi, Bay. Thank you for coming to the show today. Hi, Grace. Thanks for having me. Um, so, as we start for today's episode, as usual,、um, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, and then your kids' age, and what kind of bilingual education you currently implement. Sure.、Um, I was born in Taiwan and moved to the Midwest after I finished second grade.、Um, in terms of Chinese level, I would say my speaking is immediate level. And reading is probably advanced beginner.、Um, I have two kids. My son is four years old, and my daughter is six years old. My son is currently in a Mandarin immersion preschool. So by the end of the summer, he would have been there. He would have been there for two years. My daughter attended the same、uh, Mandarin immersion preschool for three years. One and a half years of that was actually virtual because it was due to the pandemic. Um, she goes to an all English speaking school for kindergarten. Right now. Perfect.、Um, so let's go right in about your trip. Like, when do you start thinking about going to Taiwan last summer when pandemic still happened?、Um, can you walk us through the trip planning and when do you actually start? And then were you surprised by anything before you went? Yeah, I think.、Um, Like a lot of families during the pandemic, it kind of kicked the bilingual learning in, in, in gear for a lot of us.、Um, I wanted it to go, actually go back during the pandemic and live there short term, but it didn't work out. So, in terms of my planning for 2021 summer, we actually, I actually started planning as soon as I received approval for my work to get the extended time off. Um, as you know, it's not common in the US to take more than two weeks off. So I was very fortunate that I had a supportive manager that allowed me to take one month off. So we were in Taiwan for the month of August.、Um, in terms of the planning process, it was challenging and stressful at times because Taiwan was still under very strict COVID protocol. So、um, the borders were not open to non citizens. And I was traveling on my own with my two kids. So, there w a s just a lot of uncertainties. In addition, at the time of the planning, Taiwan required us to stay in prevention hotel and not private residence. So, I was optimistic the rules would change by the time we, we got there, but wasn't sure exactly what that would look like. Fortunately for us, a friend offered her studio for us to stay at during our quarantine requirement days. 
So the plan was to stay at the friend's place and then um, switch over to Airbnb and hotel. We actually ended up staying there for the entire trip. Um, the friend was very gracious and just logistically with two kids and all those luggages, it was just best to stay put. Um, after, so housing was sorted. Then after that, the big thing was really finding camps for the kids. Again, because Taiwan was still very much in COVID, COVID protocol, it was many camps were not, didn't had on, were undecided if they were operating. So camp research was very time consuming and challenging since I don't read, uh, my reading level was not as good. And shifting through the information did take a lot of time. Um, the two things I was really looking for in the camps were that both kids can attend together and that it was near public transportation. It sounded easy enough, but because my kids were on the younger side, so not as many places could accommodate them. Um, my kids were three and a half and five and a half at the time. So um, I think once the, both kids are in elementary grades, it'll probably be more options for us. And then I think lastly that, you know, in terms of camp information and registration in the States, those information are um, available general, generally by January and February. However, Taiwan Camp Info comes out much later, which is makes it really challenging for overseas families for planning. And truthfully, I was quite nervous about even putting any sort of deposit or paying for any camp just in the event that we actually didn't make it out there. So I didn't really, I did not register for any actual camp until we got to Taiwan. Can you tell us a little bit more about like, where do you even start? Do you, how do you know where those camps are? Do you go through? For me, like I go through Facebook groups, but how do you know those groups? Where do you start? Yeah, I think it's probably like I, I did start with Facebook groups. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of different groups online that's available. That's really helpful. But it's also a lot of information, too. So you're combing through a lot of details. And also everyone's preference is a little different, too, and style as well. So and a lot of it was in Chinese, too. So that took some time. Um, even with Google Translator, some stuff didn't really translate over 100%. So really just started with the bilingual groups, um, you know, locally within the New York area, as well as there's one larger one that we're part of as well. So there's just a couple different ones that I went through. And then from there, really just kind of looking into them um, to see what details they had and also once I started really researching, I really had to look at um, understanding to make sure they were able to accommodate young kids. Right, right, right. The age. Um, yeah, age was. A, and also, as, and um, so one thing I did learn through the process was the naming convention was different. So I didn't realize Xiaoban, Zongban, Daban, what that actually meant. And I was just like, what is this actually? So like I quickly, you know, a lot of time you were just really focus on the camp the um, where it is the cost and maybe what they actually do but I wasn't I didn't realize you know the details underneath of it and saying you know stating like or like so like I had to like learn that and say oh okay now this is like these are the naming convention that Taiwan has for their camps um, I think we can tell the listener. I actually didn't even know much about until, you know, I look into the camp art myself. I think xiaoban meaning probably 3K, yeah. right? 
Right. I think Xiaoban is 3K, Zhongban uh, is 4K, and I'm, yes, I'm sorry, 4K or pre-K here, depending on the d- different terminology. And then Daban is kindergarten. So my my daughter was in the Daban category because I think it's what you're currently in. And also Taiwan's um, school cutoff was a little bit earlier than in New York. So even if she was going to first grade, or kindergarten, she still would be the following year because of her birthday. So that was interesting as well. Um, so, yeah, so that I quickly learned that. Um, and I think, you know, besides the Facebook group recommendation, I also did Google searches on the word yorian or camp, like summer camp, um, just very, just on a map. And actually, because we knew where, where we were staying, so I just would put in those two words and just kind of zoom in on the map and try to see if I would, could see anything locally. And, you know, those were, like, they were helpful at times, but it's still just a lot of information. It just required a lot of times to go through and like figuring it out um, to see what was available. And because it was doing COVID time, I think a lot of schools were not actually opened for summer schools so that was you know once i did find one then emailing them and then trying to see whether or not they would open up would be open for summer and oversee kids on top of it too thanks for sharing those are really good tips you know because i think for for parents that i mean i grew up in taiwan but there's so many information just i'm not familiar as a parent you know like like basically uh, raising kids in the U.S. So it's like there's so much information to look at even as a Taiwanese native. So I'm so, I'm really glad like you did all the research and it must be like stressful by because that that's actually the first trip with kids, right? Ever since they were yeah. born. Yeah. yeah, so it was, um, so I've been back to, so after we left Taiwan, when after second grade, I actually never went back to Taiwan during the summer, um, but I did go back as an adult uh, for a year. So, but as you know, as you kind of mentioned, it, being there with kids versus being there without kids is a whole different ball game, and it's very different than what you remember it to be and what your interests are as well. So, it, I, you know, I had the, I was lucky that I was comfortable in New Taiwan and Taipei, but I didn't know anything else besides that. Maybe just knowing where to eat, perhaps, and some stuff, and then how to get around on a um, metro. But other than that, I was kind of clueless when it came to what to do with my kids. So that had to be all kind of started from scratch. And that's so brave of you. <laughs> really, and they even you still did it, did it during pandemic because I know so many parents will be just like not possible it's like too much um trouble i guess and hassles to go through everything i mean before we go into when you actually got to taiwan i still want to hear even with the pandemic there's quarantine why did you i mean besides like you got like a a much longer vacation from work like why did you really want to go to taiwan I think it was something that I was look very interested in doing in doing the pandemic. Like I mentioned earlier that we were looking to do um, go there for short term, maybe like six months to a year. Uh, and I think that just it was building up. <laughs> and finally, once it opened up, um, just 
I just pulled the trigger. And, you know, a lot, I, I guess to backtrack a little bit, I actually did a lot of the legwork in terms of getting my kids' passports during the pandemic in 2020. So that helped a lot for us because in 20, I'm sorry, in 2021, I got the kids' passport. So I think that helped. So I didn't have to go through that hassle because that itself for especially um, non-natives is a process and just the what what's needed and what the requirements and all that. So I had the kids' passports already. So it was just a matter of going. Um, so yeah. And I think just, I, I think I mentioned it at the very beginning, but just to give our listener a, a background for all this. So during pandemic, Taiwan doesn't allow foreigner to go in. So everybody who go there actually have to have a Taiwan passport. I went through the same thing like you did. Like I have to uh, spend so much research to get the uh, kids a Taiwan passport. So we actually went in 2021, um, but it was really, it really a struggle to do that. Um, so tell us about when you got there, what happened? And then after the quarantine, like, how did you choose which camp to go? Um, tell us everything when you were there. Yeah. So it, once we got there, it was a big sigh of relief because we finally landed. Um, like we finally made it. <laughs> so we were super happy about that. Taiwan, it was very efficient. They, the whole process was very smooth. Um, we ended up doing actually four days of quarantine, which was mostly eating and watching TV a little too much, probably. Um, in terms of camp, by that point, the choices were limited. And also, my, I still wanted to make sure the camp could take both kids. So we ended up at two different camps. Um, the first camp was a one-week camp and was full day. Um, the camp was focused on art and nature with some field trip. Um, the kids didn't love the camp so much, I think, because it was just such a small group. It was a total of five people. I was also not a big fan, only because it was not easy to get to. Uh, we had to take an um, MRT as well as a cab, so it ended up being quite expensive to do to go to that camp. The second camp we did was a at a Taiwan Design University that focused on hands-on art projects. The kids loved that camp. However, it was half a day. Um, so that didn't give me enough time to run errands or do my own thing. So I basically stay, stay by, stay nearby at a coffee shop until they were done with the camp. So that was basically two weeks. Did you guys do any traveling or anything else? Like, yeah. So our trip was kind of so the first week was like broken. That the first week was really quarantine and kind of getting used to Thai, Taiwan, Taipei at that point since we had done four days of it. And so the kids did camp the last two weeks. Um, and then the last week, which was our fourth week, we wanted to actually travel south, but didn't get the chance to because of typhoon. We did make one weekend trip to Taitung with our friend. So that was nice. But um, our plans for this year to go back is to, we'll have, you know, there won't be any quarantine, but it'll probably most likely three weeks of camps for the kids, and then one week of traveling, and most likely the South as well. Um, so how did you get around the city? You mentioned you take MRT, which is like subway in New York. Um, uh, 
um, besides that, it's like, was it easy for you to navigate the city when you are not a Taiwanese native and especially with two kids with you? Yeah, I, I think so. We spent majority of our trip in tai, Taipei. And because I have been there before, so it was, I was familiar with it. However, with two kids and also I was, I was trying my best to kind of engage them to also help out with their direction and reading at the map. So the, I, it was very easy and convenient. So I think any, even if you have not been there, it would, it's not, it's very doable. Um, we also took public transportation, I'm sorry, public tra- transportation in terms of buses. So I really like the buses. <laughs> um, I like buses even in New York as well, just because I think you get to see different parts of the town more so than you would on a subway. So nowadays with technology, especially with our phones, um, a lot of the maps will give you step-by-step directions of where to go. Um, the only thing was kind of getting used to which direction of how to take the bus and how to read the bus map. That actually took some getting used to. I don't think it's, the, um, it's not that easy to understand, but once you figure it out in terms of like where the arrow goes, um, it's a little bit, it's doable. Perfect. Um, so what was the most fun part of the trip? I think the fun part was really just being being in Taiwan with my kids and then also seeing them really enjoy Taiwan as, as, as much as I did. Um, so that was really nice to see that. And, you know, I was I, if you ask my kids what was the most fun, they probably would say our daily trip to 7-Eleven. And sometimes multi- multiple time of the day. So that was the highlight of their trip. And I think for me, probably was going to Taidong to see our friend and um, staying at her beach bungalow. So just seeing a different part of Taiwan that's less city-like. Right, right. And then were there any obstacles that you encountered during the trip that you just never um, anticipate? Yeah, I didn't. I wouldn't say there was any obstacles. However, we just had to get adjust to the weather mostly and just getting familiar with Taiwan. Um, I think the heat and humidity can be really overwhelming for some people. I'm actually not bothered by it. Um, and luckily my kids were not, but I definitely can see that being a no-go factor for a lot of people. Um, we spend a lot of time like just traveling. And so sometimes... We just had to learn to figure out where to go for sort of some AC and mostly 7-Eleven, just a little bit of break and such. Um, I also spent a lot of time on just kind of what we were talking about earlier on researching places to go with kids. And just because I'm not familiar with what amusement park would be suitable for their age group. And also Taiwan has a lot of um, like cafe with playgrounds. So that I was trying to take advantage of, but because it was doing cold, because COVID, like many places around the world, closed out a lot of the places that people had recommended. So a lot of those places were not available. Um, and and also Taiwan has something that I think that's very unique and that was great for kids was they had a lot of playlands, indoor play space, so where you could spend hours there and they're just doing all sorts of jumping kind of. And there were also um, a lot of places were affordable too compared to the U.S. So you could do that relatively easily. Perfect. Um, So tell us about the Chinese part. It's like, 
what what is there any impact to your um, kids Chinese when they were there and then do they took back some memories they still talk about you know tell us a, a little bit about that yeah I think so I I don't think my kids improve their listening or listening I think the kids Chinese stay probably the same that definitely their listening improve and probably was more motivated to speak um and my daughter was also able to practice a bit more reading as well because there were Chinese characters everywhere. Um, so that helped a lot. And just and also on like maps, food menu, and of course, 7-Eleven was just kind of getting the snacks and understanding which flavor what it is. So I think that helped a little bit. She was motivated with that. But I think overall, their Chinese probably stay the same. But I think the connection and the interest grew stronger. And because of that, my kids are much more willing to learn Chinese now, um, knowing that they can and will need to use it when they go back in Taiwan. Um, and also as a parent, I think I felt more motivated to continue the bilingual journey because, you know, as we all know, it's, it's a lot of time and effort and money we spent on maintaining Chinese in the U.S. And it, it's very stressful and it's a lot of work and sometimes you feel very defeated. So when they were there and they were happy to be there and also use their Chinese, it made me feel like it was, we should continue on with our journey. Oh, that sounds awesome. It's like, it make everything more relevant, you know, it's not just books they read or, you know, lessons, you know, they learn every day. It's really something they can use in daily life. Yeah, definitely. And I think even when we came back, even looking for tutors, I, you know, specifically looked for a Taiwanese tutor. And, um, and the focus was really just understanding Taiwan lifestyle, as well as sort of the nuances of Taiwan culture, um, the language, the people, just things there. So the, you know, they've had classes for almost a couple months now. So as we get closer to our um, this year's trip, they are even more excited and they all, you know, so they have something to kind of look forward to that they've learned and learned here and then they can actually see it when they go back. Um, I know this topic's a little bit touchy for some parents, but I think it's very, very helpful for parents to have a really good idea how much the trip will cost like from plane tickets to accommodations, food, transportation when you're there. And if you can tell us more about that, I think that would be very helpful. Yeah. And so our trip, when I looked at it, it was approximately, I would say about $10,000. And um, I think two thirds of our expenses were on flights, housing, and food. So this is for one adult, two kids spending four weeks in Taiwan. So our breakdown was about 44% on flights, 16% on food, um, 13% on camp, and then um, and then five like 10, 11% on transportation, and then really just um, and I, I can't remember the all the others, but and then 10% on miscellaneous, meaning like just the side trips, the kids entertainment, um, and maybe just books as well that I purchased there. So I think. For us, last summer was unique for several reasons in terms of the expenses, just to kind of give um, folks kind of background on it. So we were quarantined the first four days. So our expenses were really food the first week. So second, uh, we stayed at a friend's apartment. So our cost of living 
like our housing cost is much lower than it would have been if we had rented Airbnb. And then my kids also did two weeks of camp with one of them being half day. So I think that cost was a little bit lower as well. And then we also didn't travel as much because we didn't have as much time and the typhoon came. So we stayed put in Taipei. So I think all those things have to like be considered. So I, I think like, you know, the ch- I recalculated the number to see what this year would look like for us, adjusting the lodging of the Airbnb and three, four weeks of camp. So I think the cost would probably be about 14000 if we were to do it this year. Just real uh, flights being 33%, housing being 24%, and camps really 16%. So the numbers would would change um, quite a bit this year because of that and probably be much higher. Um, I think for us too is two major things that helped us keep our expenses down was that my kids really enjoyed the local food. So we didn't need to eat Western food. Um, so, and then we also use um, public transportation majority of the time. I couldn't figure out the taxi. <laughs> I was <laughs> couldn't really tell him the crossroads. I knew my destination, but a lot of the taxi got frustrated when I couldn't tell him the crossroads. So I just decided not to do it unless we were going to a specific train station. Then it was easier to tell him exactly where we were going. So because that it forced us to use the public transportation. So I think that kept definitely the cost down for us. Perfect. I'm so glad that you're willing to share and that that percent is really helpful for people to have a good idea about, you know, what, what's the most expensive thing, which is plane tickets. Like everybody knows, like summer plane tickets to everywhere. It's very expensive. Um, so is there any additional cost that you didn't originally anticipate um, before you, you did your trip? Yeah, I think I didn't anticipate kids entertainment. Um, I think it's it seemed obvious, but I just didn't that wasn't part of my budget, I think. I didn't think about it in my budget when I was doing it. Um, because there was just a we I tried to, um, the kids took some one-off classes like dance and then soccer trials and stuff like that. So, and then obviously with trying to keep the kids busy with like going to museums, amusement parks, like play space. So I think that just adds up quite a bit, especially you spend the full day there and also food is generally more expensive as well. And then those days we would probably take a cab because they're already super tired. So getting on public transportation on the way back was not as feasible. So that definitely, I think, and, you know, kind of looking at the calculation from last summer as well as this upcoming summer, I think that could be a, that could be probably number four after flights, housing and camp. Got it. Yeah. I think there's just a little bit, of something that you always didn't anticipate. Like for me, at all the trip I've been, it's mostly, um, I think restaurants, it's actually more than I expected. Some restaurant, like the one you said, like the play base one, you know, it's perfect for them. Just they can go to like indoor playground when we're just chatting with friends. But then those food, even though it's not <laughs> that delicious but still very very expensive i always feel like those are it's it almost not worth it but it's worth it when you have a quiet down like quiet time to spend with your friends right yeah definitely and we did one or we did a couple of those with um when meeting up with friends as well 
And even like I, you know, we went to Taipei Amusement Park, but it was so so hot, and they charge you different. They charge you、uh, fees to go sort of the indoor AC space, which we did end up doing one or two of them because it was. You know, two three hours of free AC and some activity for the kids to keep themselves occupied. So yeah, so we end up doing some of that as well. And then I think Taiwan's really good, just like a lot of places where after you kind of leave certain areas, they set up a lot of kids things and、um, place spaces to kind of entice the kids. So for example, we went to、um, X Park and. When you exit X Park right away, there was a huge play area of Chaohu, which I was, I want my kids were like, you know, we do the Chaohu subscription, so of course I really wanted to do it with them. And there's like a Snoopy play space as well. But each one of these play space, I, I can't remember the cost, but I was too cheap to allow. It was too cheap to do it because it was just so expensive,、mm-hmm. and it was. Not it was for a short time period, and plus with two kids, and they they charge you both for both for the kids as well as adults. So I think in the end it was probably could have been like, I I don't exactly remember the cost of it, but I was kind of surprised by how much it cost. Right, right. Especially anything with childhood, I think it's kind of expensive. <laughs> yeah, but you know, kids love it. So you were like, you know, I'm only here for a month. Might as well just, and then those. I feel like those expenses keep adding up for you. Yeah, no, definitely. And w- I mean, something like I think when I was there, I also did a lot of things I typically would normally do in New York.、Um, so, for example, the kids were able to drive those, you know, self, co- like self, like you could, could drive their little own car for half an、yeah. hour. And each、right. car, the diff- there's different levels of the cars, and they got more expensive as well. And I was. So I lo- we did that we did do that once and they loved it and they wanted to do it again. So that was my only thing is that I wanted to make sure we didn't do too much where everything was a yes and then end up spending majority of our time really on those stuff as opposed to really、um, more traveling, if you will. Right, right, right. Yeah, that happened to us. <laughs> I think we both my kids won those like self driving car. And then my daughter wants like a specific color for the car, yes, which yes. is the most expensive one. Yes. And then we couldn't say no because my son already got one, so it's like she has to get something. And then in the end, just like, oh, whatever. It's just half an hour. Just let's get it done with. This is great. I'm so so glad that you're、um, willing to share so much information. I'm sure it's very helpful for a lot of parents. So tell us about this year's trip. Is there anything that you will plan differently,、um, and any tips or recommendation for parents plan their own trip? Yeah. So I think this year will probably be very similar,、um, with the exception of no quarantine. So it'll be a lot、uh, easier.、Um, so I'm still in the camp research.、Uh, Session right now, so and a lot of information, as we mentioned earlier, does not come out till later. So I think ultimately, I I'm, I've realized it's best, you know, it's going to camp is one aspect of being in Taiwan, and it doesn't need to fit every single part of the checklist. So,、um, so I'm trying not to 
stress over it too much. In turn, you know, so we look forward to going back. You know, it is an expensive trip and is the big trip of the year for us, but um, we want to go back. Um, in terms of research and tips for folks, I guess like start researching and planning early so you don't feel overwhelmed. <laughs> um, even though Taiwan has a lot of information that's bilingual, but majority of the local stuff was still in Chinese. So that does take some time to shift to. Um, even though camps don't have information till later in the year, but you can look at the previous year information just to kind of get a gauge of what the, you know, what the sessions look like. Because for me personally, I was looking for a two-week camp as opposed to weekly camp. So I was trying to see if there was any camp that would do two weeks. Um, so you can always go back to, you know, their Facebook or their website page and kind of see what they did the previous year. Probably not 2021, but like, you know, 2019 or 20, yeah, 2019 before the pandemic started. Um, I think it's important to select a camp based on the child's learning style um, or interest or sport. It doesn't necessarily need to be a language, like a traditional school setting in any um, in any way. So because kids will learn best more um, based on interest. Um, selecting a camp near public transportation is important for us, unless you want to take a camp every day. So depending on what everyone's preferences for that. And then like, you know, I think for, because I have two kids and I am going back again, um, by myself because my husband is unable to go back. I think, you know, in terms of having camps that are close to each other because of convenience for the pickup and drop off, cause that does take some time. Um, because like I said, the, so the second camp that my kids went to, that was half a day, it was pretty far away from the main city center. And because it was only half a day, I really, really wasn't able to go anywhere else, um, during that time. And then, um, you know, camps also require some supplies. So probably just check to see what they need or bring the basic, which is like a backpack, we had to buy water bottle there because initially we thought, oh, there's 7-Eleven everywhere so we can just get water and pretty cheaply instead of carrying water bottle and and um, filling it up. But we ended up buying water bottle there, like a towel. They requested it. They requested a change of clothes. And then um, that camp actually requested a sleeping bag as well, which we did not have. <laughs> so, but my kids didn't nap, so that was okay. And then in terms of like just... Be, like preparing for the essentials. Um, we One thing I did bring was kids' medis, medication. So I was, because I just wanted to make sure we had like the fever, cough, and allergies. Um, so I didn't have to worry about getting it. And also mostly because we were, do, we I knew we had to do quarantine. So I did not want my kids to get sick doing quarantine and then having to figure out or telling the health officer who called us every day what, what was happening and how to get um, medicine. And then, um, uh, for me, we made, I made sure that we got non-toxic sunscreen and insect repellent because those are more expensive and harder to find, I think in Taiwan. And then if any kids who are really more, um, into like American food or like cereals or snacks. So like, because that's what their comfort food is, that's also expensive. So I didn't have to, I just bought some snacks, but we didn't even eat any of that. So, cause I know some folks who really like kids who like certain cereals or like certain things, just overall, anything that's Western was more expensive. And one thing was interesting, um, a lot of places, because we ate locally at a lot of the local stalls or restaurants, they don't provide, um, spoons or forks. 
it's mostly chopsticks. So my son wasn't able to use the chopstick. And plus, they're not kid chopstick either. So they're adult chopstick. Um, chopsticks. So my daughter was okay with it. So we ended up buying a fork, <laughs> a portable fork. So I, my son could use it. And then, um, yeah, so we, I ended up getting a local SIM card just so I had a local number that was a requirement of the quarantine, but I would recommend it still. And then download the app line because that's used. That's the main method of communication for camps. Um, cause I think in the States it's WhatsApp or any, different application that they use, but it seems Taiwan only uses mostly line. And then, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think, I, I think probably ending with to also make sure if you're either you're going by yourself as like I am, or if you're going with a partner, just to make sure the parents also enjoying the trip too. It's a lot of work traveling with kids. It's really never a vacation in any sense. But, you know, use the time that there are in class or at camp to kind of treat yourself because um, so you don't get burned out because it is tiring and also um, a lot of work for the parent. The parent does also, I think, need a little bit of R&R as well. Tell us a little bit about the, the food you got when they're in the camp. Oh, God, I wish I, I so the funny thing is that because the first camp, um, it was so far. I, yeah, it was in the mountains. So I didn't really have that much time. And I don't know that many people in Taipei. Um, so I didn't really have eating partners. And then either, I mean, I could have ate by myself, but I also didn't know where to eat. Besides, I mean, this that's why I mentioned my last part is like, I focused so much on the kids that I wasn't really thinking, oh, let me think of a lunch place for myself. It was really just whatever errands I was running at the time and if I see a, a restaurant of interest or um, that I wanted to try out that I would go there. So for me, I really wanted to go to the local foods. So I was really looking for sort of like those mom and pop shops, either with like the noodles or the wontons, whatever that was like local. Um, so not something you can really find. It's just more to see um, if they, you know, see what kind of things they had. And also I think Taiwan, um, a lot of the a lot of the mom and pop shop, as, as well as I think restaurants, they have a resting, they, they rest in the afternoon. So they're actually kind of close. They're closed from two to, I think, two to five or two to four o'clock. So you really can't like, so for example, I if I drop off the kids, I would want to try to get something to eat. Sometimes some of those local places were closed because they were resting during that time. So it wasn't available. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think this year I'll be probably try to be better about, you know, eating more while I eating more while the kids are in camp. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think that's the only time you can actually choose the food that they probably don't want to eat or cannot eat. And then you can enjoy, for example, spicy food for us, yeah. like the kids cannot eat. So I would choose the time that kids in school or in the camp, like, you know, me and my husband will go get some spicy beef noodle soup or something like that. That is very true. That is true. I, I, so when we did have a, so we, my kids love the beef noodle soup. So we had that probably once, a, once every couple of days. So that was a good staple for us. And um, even like ramen as well. So, but my, but you're right. I, I wasn't able to, I think, he, I think because I didn't have that 
many chances to eat out. So even when I ate with my kids, I would still order one for myself, regardless whether or not they would eat it, just because it was our opportunity to eat out. But, um, but as you know, just eating out with kids in general, depending on their mood and temperament at the time, the time period, peaceful time period for that is not that long. So at times it was rushed too. Yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, so I, I mean, definitely, I hope to eat more this time. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to the show. I'm sure like everything you talk about will be something like really useful for parents are going to this year or in the future trip. Um, yeah, any last word? Yeah, I guess like I would say, you know, there are several ways for the learn the kids to learn the language. I think camp is just one of them. Um, so I hope like parents who do go back, that they're also exploring the city as well as we, we were just talking about, you know, trying different food too and visit the places and really immerse in the place um, because those memories and experiences really what connects it all together um, and makes, makes the whole trip even more um, enjoyable. So I think, you know, camp was one camp is one aspect of it. And I think we focus a lot on that, but overall to really, you know, visit Taiwan and see different parts of it and just have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, that's, I think that's the whole, the purpose of these trip that we're taking. All right. Thank you, babe, for the show. Um, if, if there's any information, I guess, we can share with our listener we will put on in the podcast notes and i guess after the summer we probably can have you or me together to come on back to the podcast again and talk about our experience yeah that would be great really enjoy chatting and we love to kind of exchange notes and experiences that how it went for uh, you versus how it went for us <laughs> right all right thank you thank you